promises that God has for us. If, if there have been words spoken over our lives or if there's verse scripture that the Lord has given us, it's like my life verse and I want to see this fulfilled in my life. How do we enter into that? How do we prepare ourselves to enter and how do we enter into that? And, and the corollary is the book of Joshua where he becomes the leader of the Israelites and they go in and they conquer the land and they take possession of it. And we learned last week that God comes to Joshua and says, Moses is dead. And the point was, the past is past, forget the past. Forget the past. Move on. Move on. And so I want to start, we're going to read again and make some new points from some of the same scripture, but then some additional scripture too. Joshua chapter 1 Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the sea, great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now understand the parallels here are the corollary. The, the, the book of Joshua and a lot of the stories in the Old Testament that relate to us are a physical outworking of, of um, something, something that is picturing something spiritual for us. So when they go in and conquer those nations, they're actually, con- for us, it's conquering the enemy and the inf- influence of the enemy and taking territory back from, from the enemy. So we look at this and we're reading a physical story, but it's a, the application to us is going to be spiritual. You understand that? So just just wanted to say that. So... Uh, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 16. Now this is the people's response to Joshua. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us we will do. Wherever you send us we will go, just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command as does not heed your words, and all that you commanded him shall be put to death. Only, now the people say this to Joshua. Only be strong and of good courage. So we see in verse 6 it says, Be strong and of good courage. Verse 7 says, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. And then in verse 18, it says, only be strong and of good courage. So did you know that the, the one command in the Bible that's repeated more often than any other is, do not fear? 
there's no other command that God gives us in Scripture that is repeated more times than don't fear. Be strong and courageous. Don't give in to anxiety. Don't give in to worry. Why? Because God's word to Joshua's, I will always be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And anytime God gives us a command, he always gives us the grace to walk it out. So we've got to look for and grab onto the grace that he gives us to walk out whatever we're facing and whatever we're about to enter into. Joshua and the Israelites are about to take possession of the land of promise. They're about to move in. It was the, the, the land that had been talked about for any number of years. And the reason that God says, do not fear, be, be strong, courageous, is because there's something that short circuits faith and it's fear. It short circuits faith. It's a hindrance to faith. And it's, anytime we give in to fear, and we give in to fear... Uh, Probably more than we should. Probably. Do you like the way I said that? Probably we do more than we should. God was pretty emphatic about it because he knows that when we give in to fear, what actually happens is we, get, we become uh, not separated from God in the sense that um, we're lost or anything like that, but we, we kind of disconnect ourselves from our power source to carry, carry on with what he's called us to do. It's more like dislocating um, a joint, like in your finger. If you dislocate your finger, you can't use that finger because it's not working right. So when we give in to fear, we're kind of dislocated in our relationship with God. We can't move forward in faith the way we should be able to. So we, we have to learn to recognize fear and, and not give in to it. Um, because anytime we give in to fear, what we're actually doing is we're not trusting God. We're not believing that He can help us. We don't, we're, we're, we're giving in to a whole other idea. Actually, we're giving in to a lie when we become fearful. We're giving in to the lie that things aren't going to work out, things are going to be terrible, things are going to be awful, that God isn't who He says He is. And our imagination can kind of go that way. But He wants us to have faith in Him. And we often say these kinds of things. Um, what does it mean to have mountain-moving faith? You know, we talk about that. We say that phrase because uh, there's scripture that talks about that. And what does it mean to grow our faith? Or what does it mean? How do we exercise our faith? How much faith does it take? And sometimes we talk in terms of, well, if I can just collect enough faith within me, I can see things happen, right? That's kind of the mentality we have. But I don't think it works that way. I think all we need is faith without any doubt, faith without any fear. The Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, be cast into the sea. It's a, if you just have a mustard seed of faith. See, if you're talking about faith, faith is trust or confidence in who God is and what he said. So if you have faith in him, you have faith in him. You know, how do you have a lot of faith in him as opposed to a little bit of faith in him. You either have faith or you don't have faith. You understand what I'm saying? The question is not how much faith we have, because I'm not sure that I'm not sure that really works right. It's whether there's any doubt mixed in or there's any fear mixed in with that faith. Any place where a lie can come in and make us to begin to question whether God's really going to do um, do something for us, going to help us. What fear does, it makes the obstacle bigger than God. 
the challenge, the issue that's facing us. It makes the, the issue bigger than God is. And we allow that to happen in our minds. I'll tell you what. I knew all week I was going to be preaching on fear today. I knew. And I've been pre- preparing. Yesterday, I got the whammy whacked out of me. And just with a stupid thing. And I had this thought. It had to do with our finances. And I'm, I, I was... I hate to tell you. <laughs> I'm... I'm, I'm I'm looking at bills and I'm thinking I'm, and I'm doing calculations in my mind. I'm afraid I'm afraid to even open up my checking account online to see how much money's there because I'm afraid it won't be enough. My heart will sink. I won't be able to prepare. I'm going through all the. Do, do any of you ever go through imaginations like that? And so I didn't look. I didn't look. And when I finally did, I'm like, where'd all that money come from? Now, like, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't like, you know, but more than enough. And I'm like, what am I doing? And so you see how we can, see, we can take. You, do you ever, how many of you do that where something comes up and you think, you're thinking about it, and the more you think it's a bad thing, and the more you think about it, the bigger it gets, and the worse it gets, you can't sleep that night. You ever been there? You know what that means? You already know how to meditate. You just have to meditate on the right thing. Okay? Right? That's what, see, med- that's what meditation is. It's, didn't he say, and the, just keep the word before you. Meditate on it day and night. You already know how to do that. You just have to meditate on the word, and you need to be thinking about God and how big he is and not look at your problem. That's what he wants us to do. That's faith. That's trust. But we give in to fear. Um, so we don't, and we don't, we don't need humongous amounts of faith. Faith is of a child. They just trust. They just believe. That's all God wants us to do. Just believe. And then act accordingly. Isaiah 51, 12. This is a cool verse. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid? Uh, just those two lines. I, even I, am he who comforts you. The Israelites are facing a tough time. I, even I, am, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should, you should be afraid? Who are you? You hear what he's saying? Who are you that you... Look at me! Why are you afraid? That's what he's saying. What are you looking at? I am the... Well, I don't mean me, but I mean God's saying, I am the one who comforts you. Who are you? Who are you to be afraid? <laughs> I, you know, he is such a good father. I, I don't know if he scratches his head. I don't know if he scratches his head or not. But every once in a while, I guess he does. We need to... We need we need to learn about him. We need to be in the word. We get to know God better by being in the word, meditating on the word so that we see how big he is so that our faith becomes more settled, more secure. You understand, we can have faith and then something comes along and it shakes our faith. And so we begin to allow doubt and fear in. And so we need to stay 
strong in what he's told us and what he wants us to do, what he wants us to stand in. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And great shall be the peace of your children. That's cool. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. How many of you want to be far from oppression? What is oppression? Oppression oppression is like a dark cloud that the enemy brings over us and kind of drops on us because we're giving in to fear. I don't think I put this one in. There's a verse in Job that I didn't. I had it somewhere and I forgot to put it in. Job said, it's in Job chapter 3, the thing that I feared came on me. So I go to fear and somehow the enemy knows that I'm afraid and so he brings more junk to pour on me. And the more I fear, the worse it gets and the more I'm overcome by that. And so this verse is saying, you shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. And so when we, we need to recognize when fear comes. We need to recognize it, and we need to, we need to, to deal with it. We need to run from it. But, I, you know, I don't know that we should attack fear. I don't think that we should go after it. I think we just need to grab onto the Father and receive his love and accept his love and see how big he is. You know... I'm not sure that that's the kind of battle or the way that God wants to engage in battle is to you know, fight fear. You don't want fear to become your focus. <laughs> you don't want it to be your focus. You want God to be your focus. That's always the issue for us is getting away from that. And so when we do give in to it, when we give in to fear, it, it, um, it tends to get worse. The more I meditated on the stupid thing yesterday, the bigger it got, so I put it out of my mind. Put it on my, and I could have settled it very quickly, you know? 325. Job 325 is where that verse is. So, let, so I'm, I'm going to show you something. This is kind of interesting. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition. What is that verse talking about? Every time something happens to us and we don't give in to fear... It's like an announcement to the enemy that your judgment is sealed and there's no hope for you. It is proof. When we stand in a place of opposition and we stand there without fear, it terrifies the enemy and it reminds him and all of his workers that they've got no place to go, they've got no place to run, they've got no place to hide. And it's a reminder to them and they hate that. They don't want to think about the fact that they're under judgment and there's no hope for them at all. And when we stand, God has given us a place in the kingdom that when we stand against fear and and put our hope and trust in God in spite of the circumstances, 
it smacks the enemy in the face and he can't stand it. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Don't be terrified by your adversaries. Which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation. They will do, I know, they will do everything they can to lie to you, to get you to um, join them in their fear. That whole kingdom, the whole kingdom of hell is the motivational power in that kingdom is fear. From top to bottom. They're scared to death of those that are over them and everything that's going to happen. And so if they can get you to fear, that's what they're after. Fear connects us to a lie. And people that are fearful are manipulative and controlling. That's what it leads to. And you know what manipulation and control eventually leads to is witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Witchcraft isn't just, you know, casting spells, incantations, and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's a specific kind of witchcraft. But witchcraft, in, in biblical terms, is using any power to control circumstances or people that isn't the Holy Spirit. Like, I'll try to do this to get people, get what I want out of these people. Well, if I do this, then they... And you're, you're bordering on witchcraft. So fear, fear in somebody... What they're motivated to do is to control circumstances in every situation they can so that they don't get hurt anymore so that, or to keep them from any negative incidents or what, however you want to look at it. But fear, And it's all based on a lie and on lies. So look at this, First John 1.17. We all know these verses, but I'll give you a little, little, little different take on it. First John 1 John 1.17, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And so we have these verses that say there's no fear in love, perfect love casts out fear. And so we have prayed and prayed and asked the Lord to manifest his love to us, show us his love to us, fill us with his love, wanting to overcome all kinds of fears and internal things with love. And, and that's all well and good, but you know, that's not the whole story. And I don't like what translators have done. What they've, if you look at your Bible, I know in mine, there's a little break between verse 19 and verse 20, and there shouldn't be a break between verse 19 and 20. It should just run right together. Because verse 20 says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Well, what's the point? What does it mean for for love to be perfect? Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love, that word perfect means complete or whole, the whole package. Okay? It's, it's a word that means complete. So love, love is complete when? God doesn't give us his love so that we can just get bigger and bigger and bigger filled up with his love. He gives us his love so we can give it away to other people. Love isn't perfected until we give that love to somebody else. Maybe even somebody that's in more difficult circumstances than we are. What the Bible is saying here and what they're saying, what God is saying to us is that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love 
that we receive from the Father when we give it away, when we give it to other people, that's how love really becomes perfected. And I think when we do that, it's really getting the focus off of ourselves and getting it on someone else. And I think that as we give love to other people, God keeps filling us up with his love. So how much you think, have you exhausted his supply of love yet? Because of all the people that you're loving and the situations that you're loving. Uh, Sometimes we look for answers all over the place, and, and most of the time they're very simple and easy, and God is pretty direct and to the point in most cases. There's something that happens in us when we give love away. It changes us. We become more like God. We're we're most like God when we forgive and when we love. We love people. Joel chapter 3 verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. We are in a war. We are in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. I don't like to dwell on the enemy, but but you know what? He's there and we've got to beat him up. Kick him out of the way. Prepare for war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of the war draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, <laughs> that needs to be your declaration. You understand that we need to be strong. And God says that we're strong. And we need to believe that. And anything less than that, we're, we're, um, we're not doing what God's called us to do. Now, I'm going to give you another story. This is a good story, okay? This wasn't my failing. This, is, this was a good one. Uh, and I don't know. I, I want to be careful. Um, anybody have difficult people in your life? <laughs> I didn't even hit anybody this time. No, I'm just kidding. There... There's a person, they're not from the church, it's, it's at home, it's in Mukunji. People, A person that has just been, we know there's fear and there's manipulation and control and, and, and you, you feel like sometimes you're in a wrestling match with somebody and you're thinking in your mind, I'm not going to lose this one. I'm not going to let this person get away with that. So Tuesday, there's snow all over the place, Right? And I go out with a snowblower and I clean off my driveway and I clean off my, grand, my father-in-law's driveway and there's that neighbor. I cleaned off that driveway. And the whole time I was doing it, I had this phrase going through my head. Don't ever, ever lose the battle to love. We come up against situations all the time, and if we want to win, really win in God's book, then we need to love. And when we don't love, we lost the battle. We lose the battle. It's over. It's, it's the real battle. You understand what I'm saying? And so you won't... It was amazing how many times this week 
I'm doing something, and this phrase comes into my head, don't ever lose the battle to love. And I think, well, you know, it's just, it's just a little thing. And I began to realize that we lose the... I keep stepping, I'm sorry. We lose the battle of love a lot of times in just really, really little ways. Not just big ways, but little ways. Little things that irritate us that we kind of pop off about. Not, not in a bad way. You know, not terrible. I mean, maybe in an unfriendly way or, or just, eh, you know, I'm, eh. I mean, I, I actually, she's not here. I, I, I got irritated with Artie this week over something stupid. It was stu- I lost the battle to love. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the people you're closest to are the ones that you're the hardest on. Um, and it was just a stupid thing. And it's like, okay, why am I reacting? I have to go through, down that road. But I really began to understand, I think to myself, I don't want to lose the battle to love. See, that's the challenge for us. You want to overcome fear and learn to love. Learn to love over and over again. Joshua and the Israelites were about to move into the promised land. They were about to conquer the enemy and take possession of what God has for them. We feel that we here are on the verge of God doing something really cool. Winds of change are blowing, and Pearl heard that too when we were worshiping, and then Travis mentioned it at the end. And so um, it was confirmation that, that God is moving in a big-time way. And we want to be positioned so that we can be a part of that. And so... Be strong and very courageous, which means no fear, which means we need to love. Sometimes we go about trying to battle love in certain ways, and it's, you know, it's like, we do this a lot. Something happens, and something negative happens, and we start blaming the enemy. Why is he the first one we think about? Why is he the first? Can I, am I allowed to ask that question? Why is he the first one we think about? Why isn't God the first one we think about? Why isn't our question, okay, God, what are you up to? You must be doing something because things are a little stirred up here. And find out what God's doing. God, you know what? God, God prepared Joshua and the Israelites to conquer the land. He wasn't taking them there so they would get beat up. Is, was that his word to them? Let's go take the promised land. You're going to get beat up. We're probably going to, you know. They didn't lose any men except when they, the one time at Ai because of sin in the camp. But they didn't lose any men when they battled. See what happens when God is with you. God never takes you to a battle that he hasn't already prepared you for and equipped you to win. He just doesn't do that to us. Sometimes we're on our way to possess what he wants to give us. And okay, the enemy sees us coming. So he attacks us first. Oh man, this enemy. No, they know they're beat. You see, we go in with the mentality, he's trying to beat me up. We need to go in with the mentality there. He already knows he's defeated and he's like, oh my gosh, here he comes. See if I can slow him down a little bit. See if I can... Throw them off track. See if I can cause them to fear so it doesn't go after us. 
That's what God's after in us. And so we... I know, there are, I know there are big things. I know there are big things in our lives. Challenges. But our God is bigger. He's bigger. And we have to focus on Him. And we have to stand in faith. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. And don't lose the battle to love. Maybe I need to figure out a better way to say that because it sounds like don't lose the battle like somebody outloves. You ever try to outlove somebody? Like be nice to somebody over the top? Probably not too often because most people are too insecure and they're trying to assert themselves in their own way. But we need to laugh. We need to rejoice in the opportunities that God gives us to demonstrate his love, to share his love. When I came in the other Tuesday, when I came inside the house, after what I had done, I was in the kitchen. She looked at me. She said, I'm really proud of you. (laughs) She said, wow, that's amazing. And I said, yeah, you know what phrase has been going through my head? Don't lose the battle to love. And I'm going to try to hang on to that. Because I can see it too often where I just, I'm flipping about it. I don't, you know what? That's just a little thing doesn't matter. No, the little things matter. As well as the big things. So God said to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord, your God, is with you.